This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. This is Frida Liu. You're listening to Her Vantage, and this is where we speak to women of influence and leadership. Currently, there are more opportunities to engage in games, more strong female leads in video games, and more crucially, more strong female leads in the gaming industry. Although there has been a noticeable increase in number of women, it is also obvious that the business is still dominated by men. Uh, in addition, the bulk of the more well-known faces in gaming are male. Well, one person's here to change that. Sophie Aslan, a young female game designer, is only two years in the game industry. Two yeah, years, yeah. About- yeah. Right, was inducted into the Game Awards Future Class in 2022. So I'm here with her to find out about journey and how, I guess, more women can get involved. Good morning, Sophie. Good morning. Thank you for having me. I tell you. So I, it's very interesting because the first thing I saw, of course, I saw this article about you. I said, wow, a young girl in this space and inducted into the, you know, with, with, with the awards and all that. But how did you get into this? How did the interest come about? So in getting into games, right? Yeah. Like, I've always been interested in games. I, I used to play them a lot. My cousins and I, we would all huddle around the PlayStation and get told off by my grandma, like, hey, why aren't you guys asleep? You know, that kind of thing. And I always had a console like in my bag growing up. I really liked it, but I didn't think about making them myself until I was in high school. You know, I was in high school and we were in like a computing club. We had a field trip to a local university where they were going to talk about game development. And the presentation was relatively dry, but then they showed us the student projects and there was something in my brain totally clicked with that. It was the idea of a format, a medium, an art medium that I was familiar with, merging with culture that I was familiar with, along with being made by people who could be anyone. And I just knew this is what I'm going to do. So I've been getting to be in the games industry since I was about 15. And now, you know, I'm 27 this year. I've formally been in the games industry for the last two years. So I think my trajectory is pretty good. Okay, so formally and yeah, pretty good. And of course, you were just saying that you've actually visited the BFM studio way back when, when you were in uni. Yeah, yeah. I visited during my diploma. So that was like 20, I want to say like 2015, 2016. Right. <laughs> so, okay. yeah. And this was uh, under a different hat, right? Because you, what, yes. what were you studying then? So I mean, at that time, my diploma, I was studying at KDU. I was a student of entrepreneurial design. So we did entrepreneurship and graphic design. It was basically about how do you create something and then how do you market it? And then how do you sell it either as an individual or as a business? Along with that, I was part of the school's radio team, which I led for about four years as behind the scenes and also an on-screen talent. So we had this trip to BFM where we just got to look around. I think we kind of sat in on a recording at one point. Mm-hmm. And then that was that. And it just felt really cool. It was the old, you know, office, like above the old town and the yes, CMB yes. and everything. Yeah, 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 exactly that. So, you I know, know, I was there. Yeah, see? <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. What's also interesting, okay, so you're also a script writer, yeah. a game designer, game yeah. producer, yeah. and of course, you know, uh, and, and this year you're also a lecturer. Yes. Giving back, right, at UOW University in KDU, right? Yes, yes. Um, so how do they all fit in and why did you go back to lecturing or why did you go into lecturing? So I've always had a passion in a sense like mentoring, I think. One of the things I really enjoyed being a senior in university was being able to provide information 
information, knowledge, resources, tools, and motivation to my juniors. It was something that I felt very passionate about because I believe that, you know, uh, I'm going to pave the way. These people will come after me and they're going to do the same thing for the people after them. So uh, when I was working in industry, I really picked up a lot of knowledge, but I also was seeing things that maybe I could give back. Mm. So kind of decided this would be a great time for me to explore lecturing as well and do it in a more formal capacity, see what things are like. And also it's an opportunity for me to keep my finger on the pulse on what is upcoming, what is relevant, what the talents are going to be coming out, what we can expect for them moving forward. And then since I still have my links to industry, then, you know, I can act as a bridge of knowledge in a sense. Okay. And it's kind of fun, the idea, like, oh, I'm a gatekeeper now. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, I can see things from all angles. It's really fun. So what exactly are you lecturing? So I'm lecturing uh, for game design. Mm -hmm. The subjects, uh, as of right now, haven't been completely finalized what I'm doing, Mm -hmm. but they've put me on predominantly the uh, project-based semesters. One of the things about KDU's game development program specifically is that it's one of the only universities where things are split into multiple streams. A lot of the other universities in the country, they, their entire development program is specialized in just like a game programming or a game art, that kind of thing. And what happens is you get these highly technical people, yes. Right. But the difference is that in KDU, it kind of forces you to work with people from a different stream so you get those project management skills right. that you may not get until you are in the industry itself when you know it's either integrate or die, right? right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's one of the, the fun things. I get to see things from different angles as well. That's one of the experiences I had, and that's one of the experiences I'll be cultivating now as a lecturer. Right, so this is what you call game design. Yeah, so game design is essentially like, it's beyond just ideation. Easiest way I can describe it is problem solving. Okay. Because at the end of the day, you're planning things, and then you have to see it through, and then you have to make sure they're executed well. So what was the way it was described to me before? It was like, let's say you have a house. So if you're the designer, you've planned out the house. If right. you're the artist, you know, you're deciding how it looks. If mm. you're the programmer, you're putting it together. Right. So one thing doesn't work without the other. Right. Yes. Okay. And and why this area are you particularly interested in? In what? The game design yeah. part of things? I just have a lot of funny ideas. <laughs> I think like when I was younger, I just liked coming up with things that would make people laugh. I like to make, uh, I like to write. I like to come up with stories. And I just think the interactive medium of games is such a fun way to explore these things since people get to interface with it in a way that you wouldn't with movies or music or television. Of course, now all these things are kind of melding together in, you know, the great technical artistic landscape of things but I specifically just really like games and I want to make stories that make people laugh and feel and think okay (laughs) okay and and there's a lot of thought that goes into it I want to go into like how you got into this and of course awards as well but you know when you look at what's happened right because you're an oddity as in you're a girl (laughs) right And, and, and that was like and how why is it the case though why do you think like I'm sure I was just asking you earlier that you you know, when you joined the class, you were how, uh, how many? And of course, now with lecturing, I'm just interested, you know, to, I guess, find out like whether there are more girls participating. Right. So why do you think that's the case? There are less women in this space. Well, you know, it's such a male dominated space. And also the games industry does have this reputation for being unfriendly towards women. You know, there's so many cases of women being chased out specifically for, quote unquote, using their feminine wiles to get ahead or, you know, doing roles that are unnecessary that kind of thing like you can find it pretty easily online where a lot of people will believe like if you're a woman in the games industry and you're in a support role like project management or marketing community management Mm. so on and so forth you're not a real game developer so it's like we're going to squash all the women into these categories of not being a real developer over here in Malaysia I honestly think it's not as prevalent because you know we have a culture where women are also pushed to look 
into STEM. You know, mm. when I was in school, it was already like if you want to be a scientist, you want to go into medicine, that kind of thing. You want to go into engineering as a girl. It's encouraged mm. because you know girls are smart, so you should be able to do it. But I was very aware of the dynamics of everything when I entered the games course. Lah, when I did my diploma, it was a very small course, so mm. it was like a room of six girls. Right. That was it. And then when I entered the games course, it was like a room of like thirty boys. Okay. And I was like the one girl. Huh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. For me personally, it's just like I've been encouraged by my family to just pursue things. So I guess in this case, you have to learn coding and that sort of thing as well. Yeah, a little bit. You do have to learn a bit of the coding. You learn a bit of the art. So the way that KDU's program is structured is that you spend your first year kind of figuring out what you want to do. And then, I mean, not your first year, but your first semester mm. of what you want to do. And then you kind of split off into separate streams after that. And then after a year or so, you reconvene in a project and everybody kind of gets to see how the other person works now. Right. Yeah. Okay. And it'd be interesting to see how how that pans out as well, right? It was interesting for me. I'll tell you that. <laughs> okay. You, you'll find out soon enough. So and, and okay. So when you look at is that why it scares women? Like when you say, yeah, they're gonna learn a bit of coding, a little bit of programming. If is this oh no, that's not it at all. Like it scares women because of the environment. You can't predict it. There are some places that are definitely going to be more of a boys' club, and then there are some places that are going to champion equality and feminism. And it turns out it's all performative. Mm-hmm. That's still going to be the case here. I'm sure that's something that just can't be avoided at the moment. But I'm hoping people like me who are visible, who are not necessarily making it all about their gender Mm. because some people will have that idea it's like oh you're only championing women's rights and I'm like I champion a lot of things that happens to be one of them right so by showcasing that you know we are people with depth we are people with skill we are people who deserve to be here hopefully that will open the doors for not only more people to be allies to women in games and other tech industries but for also women to be encouraged to go into these industries because it's safer and we're working to keep it that way right okay I'm here with uh, Sophie Aslan game designer and also lecturer Uh, we'll talk about her a Ward, uh, in just a moment, <laughs> stay tuned to Her Vantage, BFM 89.9. Be free, Malaysia, BFM 89.9, the business station. This is Frida Liu. You're listening to Her Vantage, and this is where we speak to women of influence and leadership. I'm here with a young game designer, Sophie <laughs> Aslan. She's also a lecturer at UOW University, KDU. And, you know, you got the Game Awards Future Class in 2022, right? Yes. What's, what's that all about? Okay, so basically the Game Awards, easiest way I had to explain to my parents, it's like the Oscars, right? <laughs> like, talk, talk, talk to me like I'm your mother. Okay. So the Game Awards is like the Oscars of games because okay. it's this big spectacle event. And then they do this kind of Hall of Fame thing called the Future Class, where it's supposed to be for those who are going to be part of the inclusive difference in the future, basically. And I managed to make it on the list. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, that's kind of it. I'm an inclusive change maker now. Right. And, you know, okay, now that you've got this award and the pressure's on you, what what would you like to see change? Oh, man, I want more Southeast Asian visibility in general. If you look at, like, the games industry, right, it's so split. Mm. It's so split into, like, you know, when you say Western gaming, typically you mean American. Uh, At most, maybe European. Mm. Or you mean Asian, which is 
just straight up Japan. You right. know, now we do have a few differences where it's like, okay, this is a Japanese game, this is a Korean game, this is a Chinese game, so on and so forth. But I really just like I want to see more Southeast Asian representation. I'm very active in the circles that promote these kinds of things. Like recently, I did attend the Sea Game Awards under Level Up last year, mm. and also I was able to do a panel talking about Gigabash. I previously worked at Passion Republic, so Gigabash is one of the largest games to come out of Malaysia. I think I can say that with full confidence. Right. It, it was such a big deal. We recently landed an opportunity to do a DLC, some downloadable content where Godzilla was included as side characters that you could you know have mm. in the game and stuff. And that's this huge deal. So we really put the game on the map. Now the question is, how do we continue to uplift everybody else and get them on the map as well? Right. So one of the things like being part of the Game Awards, I want to show that there is power behind the Southeast Asian game industry and we are really ones to watch. Okay. Yeah, that's a- something. And when you say Gigabash, that was done in Malaysia. Is a Malaysian product? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so it's, yeah. Okay, so when you when you say that you want more Southeast Asian representation, is that visible in the game itself? You please talk to me like you're talking to your mother with no understanding. <laughs> so, you know, I'm not trying to sound intelligent. Really, dumb it down for me. No, no, it's a problem. I have to watch how I talk about things with my friends who are out of the industry full stop because right. at the end of the day, it can get quite technical. The, the eyes right? do glaze <laughs> the over. The eyes do glaze over. It's okay, then they'll talk to me about medicine and I'll do the same thing. Checks out, you know? So uh, previously, before I was working at KDU as a lecturer. I was a project coordinator at Pasture Republic and Pasture Republic Games, which is a local outsource studio that now has their own IP. So for their IP, it was Gigabash, and I got to work on it for about almost a year or so like that. And it's arena brawler where you basically play as like these giant uh, monsters and robots and you you fight your friends in these arenas and stuff and it is very like the whole thing it does feel very inspired by mostly Japanese anime Mm. and comics and culture although we do have like character named Rohana for example Mm. who's very inspired by like you know a merging of the Malaysian culture with the Japanese and stuff like that so there is some kind of visibility like visually with Mm. the Southeast Asian part of it but to me what matters more at the moment at least is the developers. I really Mm. want to get the developers here. I want them to do well. I want them to be able to be good. Right. Because we are losing people to an extent. People are, like, finding other opportunities. Like, you know, it's it's bad enough if we lose them to just Singapore. Like, yeah, that's close by, but still. But we are also still losing people to going way, way, way overseas. You know, to the UK, to the US, that kind of thing. Sometimes, you know, you'll find out, like, whether those articles will come out, like, this Malaysian worked on Uh, the Mandalorian. And it's like, so-and-so, you know, relocated to the United States. And you're like, well, okay, So so they're not leaving the industry, but they're leaving the country. They're leaving the country, yeah. And then we only claim them when they succeed mm. so why can't we claim them when they're still coming up and then we can celebrate their successes with is it is it monetary a lot of it is monetary you know the exchange right. rate is what it is mm. and also it's opportunities pretty much okay and, and the kind of projects they get to do like mandalorian you know that kind of thing right yeah yeah, yeah. so do you, how do you think this can change here do you do you find that our developers are definitely world class but they're not getting the the airtime they're not good at you know i guess marketing themselves so getting projects into malaysia I think that it's something that is being worked on. Mm. I think we've made great progress and, you know, there are more opportunities coming up. Definitely there's more money going out. I think it's great. We are actually doing really well, all things considered. Going out there, being in the industry, seeing what people are capable of doing. Now there are more foreign companies that are putting in, like, Malaysian offices. Not not film, but, like, good example. Mm. Um, Larian Studios, you know, they're, um, I believe they're from the UK. Now they have, like, a Malaysia branch which has been thriving. They're working on uh, the next Baldur's Gate game. 
very big. Very, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. Right. And then there's also like companies like Double Eleven, which their UK office was voted best place to work like a few years ago, and now they have a Malaysia office as well. So you know, people are taking notice of here. Mm. The opportunities are coming. It's just a matter of maintaining that momentum. For us, we stop at having potential. So okay. the, the glass ceiling is how do we go past just being the people with potential and being the people who succeed? Mm. Yeah, that's, well, that's a soundbite or what? <laughs> now, now I, I'm I'm listening to this as well, right? Um, just if we to just compare ourselves within ASEAN, right? Mm. Are there some countries that are doing it well in some areas, and why mm. within ASEAN at least? I think the Indonesian game industry is so cool right now. Okay, because they are really uh, thriving. There's so much interesting indie content coming out of Indonesia at the moment. Like, a really cool place is uh, Togi Productions. They are, like, a publisher and a developer of games, but they've actually managed to turn that into a fund as well. Mm. They have this thing called the Togi Productions. It's a funding initiative where you can pitch to them and then they'll give you money for a prototype. And then in exchange, they just get first right of refusal, but then after that, you do what you want. Right. Yeah, so their whole goal is to, it's to kind of cultivate the industry, kind of like the Flash Games era the early 2000s where things were just weird thrown against the wall and it was out there so they are cultivating that and I I hope that Malaysia can also do something similar where we give space for the games that are experimental that are artistic that are a little bit out there you know Mm. yeah yeah we do have a lot of games which are you know more on the realism side and they do fantastically another one is uh, Eximus by Amobox Studios you know it's like a shooty shooty game but it's also got some strategy to it I've got some friends who are working on it but then also we have other games like uh, anything by Persona Theory really Mm. Where those are very thought-provoking and they are very like on the pulse of culture. So we do have those things coming up. It's just a matter of giving them the opportunity to show what they can do okay. and put it out there. So in the case of Indonesia where the fund is coming, is that coming from private or public? It's th- their own money. It's, uh, it's the company's own money. Okay. Yeah, it's so like, I think you get a couple of thousand US, that kind of thing. And then you go and make your prototype, basically. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, what else would you like to see happening out here in Malaysia to improve the gaming industry? Mm, I guess I just really like it to be more accessible. Mm. Like, what was it? There was a story that was told to me about Gigabash, about how there was an event in East Malaysia where they had showcased uh, Gigabash. It was like an MDEC event kind of Mm. thing. And this guy had never heard about the game, but he sat there, he played it, and when he found it was Malaysian, he just lost his mind. So we need to have more opportunities for people to experience the games directly like that. Mm. And then also when they decide, if and when they Mm. decide, this is so good, it's made by locals, I want to make my own. So we give them the resources to do it. Right. Are they they fairs and things like that, whatever you call them, that you all take part in and that we should be involved in? And are we involved in on a global scale, Mm. the gaming space? I mean, at least for Malaysia, you know, we do have level up every mm. year. Mm. Uh, it was it was online for the last two years. Mm. Last year was the I mean the last yeah last year. So the last year's one was like the first physical one that they've had since then, and uh, that's like one of the biggest events as well. There's also Gamescom in Singapore, right? And then uh, we do have a couple of other events throughout Southeast Asia as well, uh, it, and then. You know, it's just like our events are our events. And then how do we get those people to go to the more international ones as well? Mm. Like uh, this Game Developers Conference. It'd be so interesting to get somebody from here to talk about Southeast Asian game development to an American audience and not necessarily have to make it like palatable for an American audience. This would be ourselves and show that our culture is something that is worth 
showcasing. Right. Our stories are worth telling, and we should be the ones to do it. Because we've always been fed with their story. Exactly. Right? Uh, and, and I think just as a final question, what projects are you working on that you'd like to talk about? Oh, man, I got a few. <laughs> so um, <clears throat> as a game designer, I'm very lucky to be working on Devadata, which is, it was showcased at Comic Fiesta last year. It's like turn-based RPG, and it's very nostalgic. And then I'm also helping out with Over Hours, which is by Control D Studio. It, it's also a strategy game. But it's very stylized, and it's also done by uh, East Malaysian developers, which is this Ooh. whole other thing. It's, it's, uh, Control D Studio is a Sarawakian studio. So, yeah! Yay. you Because know, the East, just as a side tangent, the East Malaysian industry is so separated from the right. West Malaysian industry. The resources we have here, they don't have it there, so they're working really hard. So the fact I get this opportunity to work with them as well, and anything that I do, if it can uplift them and get them to also get more visibility, all the better luck. Right. right. Yeah. Okay. So thanks for being with us. Game designer Sophie Aslan, you've been listening to Her Vantage. I'm Frida Liu, BFM 89.9. listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.